It's the Hedonistic Way podcast. It's a way of life. It tastes like freedom. It's the most divine microcosm. Mind blowing. It's a revolution. Heart wide open. Liberated love. It's liberated love. Conscious conversations. Conscious conversations. The exhilarated expansion of self. Sacred sexuality. Whatever you like. All I, All I know is it, is it feels, feels amazing. amazing. It's the most decadent way. It's the most decadent way to live life. Intimate and intuitive conversations with epic humans who are disrupting the status quo and living a life with stereo untypical success. Hello and welcome to the hedonistic way at midday show. I am Renee Main. I am super excited for today's show because this woman is an absolute bundle of energy and joy and she is really speaking to my heart. It is a topic that I am incredibly passionate about and have been delving into this space for as long as I've been online, which is about 12, 13 years now. So without further ado, I am going to introduce you to this amazing woman who is the creator of the Body Love Collective. She is a singer-songwriter, she is a curve model, and she is creating an absolute ripple effect of teaching us and inspiring us, but most importantly, us embodying our bodies. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> this is so exciting. The tech is working. Oh. Yes. Yay. <laughs> I am so excited because I was saying to my partner yesterday, we've been talking about the show and mm. This is our first, our, our fourth show for this year. And the first two, the mm. technology gods were not <laughs> on our side and in our favor. So the last two, I'm so happy that it's yes. grace and ease, which is Well, you know what, Renee, I would say that's because you have worked your ass off and worked out the boundaries on like how it will work, which is exactly what we're going to talk about today of like owning you and setting clear boundaries and being clear on what you want and then calling that in and then, Oh my God, it's working. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And yeah. as I was getting ready for today, Bella, I had this, you know, when just things just drop in mm. and I had this, thought and as I, I've been talking about this topic for a really long time now mm. because mm -hmm. I think every single person on the planet has or still continues it's an everyday struggle for people yes. to love their bodies without wanting to change something mm. or look in the mirror and suck their gut in or do this or this or whatever it is that you know we're yeah. doing and I think that it's something that we can all relate to. But today I realized, I think for the first time where I just felt it with every inch of my core, is that until we learn how to love our body, 
as they are, yeah. we can never step into our full potential. No, that is, that is so true. And we can make better decisions on how we want to love our body. Like let's say that involves making change from that place yeah. of like wholeness, like which, yeah. which seems, and this is the part that I've been like really focused on because people talk about self-love, people talk about wholeness as a concept. And I've even, I've, like the way I like to refer to it is like enoughness, which isn't a word, but it is now. Because, <laughs> because, because it's that foundation that allows us to know what decisions we're making, are, the, the decisions that we are making are in true alignment for us and our individual bodies. Mm-hmm. And for example, like lots of us do have, um, you know, goals or like things that we'd like to achieve within like our internal and external worlds. Maybe we want like to earn more money or to exercise more or to look in the mirror and love our bodies. But these, um, like they can be, when they come from a place of like feeling like we're not enough right now, the pathway kind of becomes really unclear. Like, and then, and what I've been noticing when we come to a place of wholeness and we reveal the pathway naturally from a peaceful place, it's, it's like the destination becomes achievable for starters and the way to get there feels really good. Or we realize we never needed to make a change anyway. Like (laughs) there's that too. (laughs) Yeah. I really resonate with you with what you're saying there mm. is um, is we wait for this perfect time or this perfect mm. day or this perfect experience or this perfect body to go yes. after our goals. So it's like, well, yeah. if I have this perfect body, then I can put myself out there mm-hmm. because I'll yeah. look better. You know, yep. and we do this in so many different areas of our lives mm. and it's something that I've been really aware of in my own life recently like it's um I really I haven't really announced it on on the show yet but my mother passed away four months ago Mm. and Mm. it's been tough really so tough. tough yeah and I say that because I've been waiting for this perfect day to grieve Mm. yeah and a few mm. weeks ago, I just had that same realization that there's never a perfect, life is never perfect enough for you to grieve, to put <laughs> yourself out there, to follow yeah. that dream. It really mm. is about harnessing, you know, every day, you know, and, and the now, as cliche as that sounds. Yes. Yeah. Like feeling your feelings now. Yeah. Mm. Yes, mm. exactly. You said something that I really want to explore with you because mm. I feel like it's huge in, I, I want to say women, because I yeah. think that predominantly, I think men as a whole, and, you know, I am absolutely generalizing, mm. um, you know, so women struggle with boundaries. Now, yeah. Within, I think the first sentence, you mentioned boundaries. Mm. What has boundaries got to do with loving your body, <laughs> accepting yourself and 
feeling that wholeness that you were talking about? Yeah, totally. I think it's a really great question because I realized lately that um, people don't know that like loving your body and loving yourself, like that it's like, it seems like what I've realized is that stuff's the cherry on top and the actual ice cream sundae is self-connection and self-knowledge and this grounded knowing of our intrinsic enoughness. And so like in, in my work, what I'm actually teaching as the gateway to, hey, I look in the mirror and love myself or um, I can go walk in bikinis on the beach, it is actually all of the other stuff, all of that internal work that brings us yeah. to that place and boundaries and saying no and unraveling the people pleaser inside of us is, is key to being able to do that. Um, I guess like before boundaries is yeah. like, it's like knowing that there's stuff in our lives that is out of alignment and then realizing, Oh, okay. Why is that? Like, why, why am I focusing on, for example, on other people's needs more than my own. Um, what is it about my story so far on this earth, whether it's societal patterning or familial ancestral patterning, why is it that I feel that I come like so far down the pile? And then from there and from that place, it's like we start learning what our no is and then articulating articulating that no with full love and kindness to the people that we're articulating no to. Because I think in society, we've got this thing where if we say no, it's like bad. But actually, if, if I say no, for example, to you, to being on this podcast, you're like, cool, it's yeah. not in alignment. That's fine. My yes means that it's a strong, full alignment. And my yes gets stronger when my no is really strong. And these boundaries that we set in our lives actually curate our existence so that we have the space for ourselves, which I speak to a lot of mums and, and it's not just mums that do this, but it's much, they've got, they've got living things that are (laughs) like often coming children that in, in theory, society says should come first. And a lot of the mums that I um, work with in the professional development sphere also teach and agree that self-connection and a foundation of our own self-love cup is critical to setting that example or providing the or any kind of meeting the needs of any other external person, whether it's your children or like in my case, I don't have children, but it's like before I go and see what my partner might need, I need to check in with myself and see if I'm okay to provide anyone else with any support. Um, and yes. that doesn't mean, like I feel like that's step one and, and it kind of like, I feel like for us to learn boundaries, we almost have to like put up a whole heap and it can feel quite dramatic like it can feel like oh I used to be that person that helped all the people and now I'm not helping anyone with anything because my cup is so damn empty there is a phase of that and then eventually we move from we move out of that phase and it can happen quite fast where when we start honoring ourselves we are so much more available to give 
really great help and support to the people around us in a much more high quality way than we were doing before where there was this like weird resentment of like, I violated my own boundary by helping you with this. And now I'm feeling resentful to that. And it's, yeah, it's all, yeah. Boundaries is, it's, it can, we can go from one extreme to the other as a way of filling up our cup for a little bit first. And it can feel super yuck. But then from that place, uh, we become the version of ourselves that is, it's like we've cleared all the shit around who we are. We've given ourselves space and then we move forward into the world with, with that. And then of course we look into the mirror, like there's, it's not an immediate jump, but (laughs) then it does connect to looking into the mirror and loving what we look like. Yeah. 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 Mm. And that's, I love you've actually picked up on, a really, really valid point there. And I just want to recap for those who mm. are watching. And it mm. is really, it's a practical thing that they can mm. start to do right now. Is yeah. You said when we curate our yeses and nos, mm. it, yeah. it, it creates our everyday life. And that yes. is so, so true. Mm. So yeah. true. And, um, Oprah Winfrey, when she was out here a few couple of years ago now, is that in her keynote, she said no is a complete sentence. Yes. And that's been one of Mm. her biggest lessons Mm. in in her career and life Mm. is because it's, you know, we make excuses or we lie or, you know, whatever, or we feel like. Yeah, it's not authentic. No is a complete sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and when I love people who honour their no, like I find it so attractive to be around someone that their no is their no and their yes is their yes and I can trust in that. And it's it's funny because we have this misconception that we'll be a bad person if we say no. Nope, it is the most attractive thing on the planet. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. absolutely Right, and mm. even if it's not, it's it's not us anyway. It's actually no. about the other person, absolutely, and yeah. where they're in the space they're at. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. And um, it was yeah. I was going to say Louise Hay says mm. um, says saying no to others is saying yes to yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and that's that is what it's about. And Something that, you know, for a few years now is um, we've been hearing about the self-love kind of movement and, yep. well, we need self-love and you need to love yourself. And <laughs> But when you've spent your entire life hating yourself, yeah, you can't just flick on that switch <laughs> that goes, oh, look at me. What do you mean, Renee? I just woke up one day and it's just never left after that. Like I've never even had to question it anymore. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. And I always say that Mm. self-love is a process. Yes. There's multiple elements like self-awareness. Yes. Self-esteem, self-confidence, you know, self-pleasure. Like there's so many layers Mm. to self-love. Self-love is not the beginning point, 
I think it's the end point. Well, so I would even go one step further and say it's not even the end point because, like, I know no. I, would call, I would call myself a pretty, pretty self-loving human. However, I yeah. fall off that perch rather frequently. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it is the end point, but it's, like, eventually you're, like, there. It, there's, um, what's her name? Megan Crabb from she's on Instagram and she's a body positivity influencer and she's written this book and it talks about the stages of body love and these same stages apply in terms of self-love. So when we're having like all of these inner critical thoughts, um, we first are aiming for self neutrality or body neutrality where we've gone from like, in my case, I walked to the bathroom back in the day and I'd go in there and I'd just be going in there to use the bathroom, not even to look in the mirror, but just the sheer act of flicking the light on and walking to the toilet had like me bombarded with my inner critic, like really loud. And I couldn't do anything in peace. Couldn't even pick out a pair of shoes without noticing that dress that doesn't fit me anymore. And then all of a sudden it's happening again. And it's not even about my body. I could have been sitting on the couch and all of a sudden the thoughts are coming in about like, oh, you haven't done the grocery shopping yet or whatever it is. And like critic, critic, critic and zero self-compassion whatsoever. So step one is like, I've got all these thoughts and we all have varying levels of them. And step one is we're looking for neutrality. We're looking for a place where we can be literally neither positive nor negative with ourselves we're just like okay i exist my body exists that's okay um and then and to get there i'll come back with how we get there but like step two is then moving towards body acceptance and self-acceptance and that that phase is like okay i'm becoming like there's more positive weighted feelings starting to come in at this point but I'm not passionate about it I'm not ready to rip off my my um, clothes and go pose in my underwear or do a like a nude photo shoot in the rainforest like I ended up doing I like to say I went from like self-loathing and hiding to like nude in the rainforest almost dying in a torrential river because that's how far the difference was but yeah, you're not you're not ready for the nude photo shoot potentially yeah. at body acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you never will be, and that's okay. Like the, the nude photo shoot is not the benchmark of body love. Yeah. But from that place, and that place is where the, like many of us stay for quite a long time, or we might even live there forever, and that's okay too. Like we don't like yeah. we don't need a passionate love of our body. However, I believe that we're all entitled to and it is our birthright to love ourselves and our body in an ecstatically blissful, passionate way, like an out of this world, like I fucking love myself kind of way. And, yeah. and so then that is that third category of body love, self-love where I'm like showing my body, I'm putting on the nice, the beautiful clothes, like your top, it's like, it's, it's super sexy and lush and, like, to me, it's, like, you're honouring your body by wearing that super sexy top. And, like, that's what we start doing when we're in body love. We can then, it, we can then like, do all sorts of other things. There's all sorts of other markers where 
We might literally, instead of being okay with ourselves in bikinis on the beach, we might actually be jumping for joy and like whooping in the waves. Like I've been known to do that because we just like actually feel this like bubbly energy essence of like, fuck, I am awesome. Like there is no shadow of a doubt. And I believe everyone deserves to feel that way. And this is all very well and good. Like this whole framework is all very well and good. And this was the very frustrating thing for me is like, I was like, oh, people would talk about these frameworks and like, these are the things. And I'd be like, but how? Like I'm a Capricorn and (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm an X type A that'll probably never not be a type A sort of. And I need to know the steps. Like I need to know how and like it needs to be concrete and grounded so when I went through this journey I was like all right I need to work this out it needs to be demystified that we can actually so if how do I go from my inner critic running the show to body body neutrality even and the answer to that question for me is self-connection 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 can't say it any more times And that self-connection brings us back to our feeling body, to who we really are at our core. We're in touch with ourselves and not so much of the external world. And we can do self-connection through a wide variety of activities. So we can, like you would know, you'd be doing this in your day-to-day life, like dance, movement, journaling, art, play, walking, cleaning the house like these mindful activities generally cleaning the house is like a later on down the track one I'm not really focusing on myself so much when I'm cleaning the house that's a shit example throw that in the bin (laughs) I do not endorse house cleaning for self-connection eventually I do but just not not yet but the um these self-connection things so for me my go-to's are journaling, dancing, and watercolor painting. And I feel like I become in contact with who I really am through that. And then self-compassion starts to pop up. And it's just this natural process of like, oh, hello, my natural essence. Oh, I'm, I'm okay, actually. And then we start seeding self-compassion. And in the self-connection, we start to, like we were talking about before, start honoring our no, going to our boundaries. So in that, we start to develop this phase of neutrality of like, okay, I'm all right. Like, this is okay. And the more we do self-connection, the more feelings we're feeling, the more authentic we are with who we are and what we're doing, and the more decisions we make that are in accordance with this self-connection clarity that we're getting, the more we then move into the body acceptance. And I always know that when I've fallen off the body love perch, like if I've gone from, you know, I'm fucking rearing and like jumping in the ocean and whooping to like yuck, like a little bit of like, hello, negative self-talk, you've popped up. You're not very loud, but you're there. And I know that when that's happened, it's an absence of self-connection. Like I've forgotten to do my key daily practices that keep me in connection with myself so yeah 
what do you think about all of that? <laughs> My I rant. I get passionate and ranty. <laughs> No, it's because it's such an important topic and mm. as I said earlier, like it touches all of us and you, yeah. I think people would be lying if they said that it didn't touch them in some way. No. And yeah. what I loved what you said then was about how almost when we remember that we're much bigger than our mm. physical body, we're more yes. than this yeah. flesh. Yeah. That, I think, for me, stimulates that connection to something that is, you know, all of who we are. And that yes. is much bigger yeah. than, this, than the physical body. Exactly, um, I yeah. do want to ask you about something. And I was reading your bio last week. Yeah. And it's something that I feel called to talk about mm. mm-hmm. is, Body dysmorphia. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Because tell me about your experience with that, mm-hmm. what it is for those yep. who may or may not know. And I feel like it's a really vital turning point. Yeah. Yeah. For us in in this journey to yeah. you know, to body love. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, I realized that I had perceived myself. So body dysmorphia is like where you perceive that your body is different to what it actually is in grounded reality. So you may perceive that it's heaps, heaps bigger. That's generally the case. Like generally it's like you're perceiving it heaps, heaps bigger And the problem with that is that there's a um, dialogue out there in the world that being bigger is bad, which is completely false. But at the time, I felt that I was huge and that huge was bad. And the reason why that was dysmorphic in one way is, so firstly, I was like a size eight at the time and I believed I don't even know. I couldn't have even told you how big I thought I was, but I thought I was huge and I was constantly going on diets and my worthiness, like I had decided and I was embodying this idea that being big was bad and I had decided that I was big. So then I decided I was bad. And so the the inner critic around that would, um, that would show up in, I couldn't eat foods that are, classified as a little bit bad not that I believe in bad or good foods anymore either but at the time there were foods that on the list of not so great foods and if I ever touched any of them there would be this huge whiplash like slap from my inner critic and if I didn't attend the gym every single day I would like the same slap would come at me And there were so many conditions on my existence because I perceived. So firstly, I was in delusion. It was not correct that I was even big at the time. And then number two, the whole philosophy that big is bad is is so problematic in itself and completely, completely false. So I feel like body dysmorphia comes from like 
really, really messed up societal standards on a whole range of things. But like what is an acceptable body is probably a good way to encompass it. Um, What was the second part of that question? (laughs) I was like, what was my experience with bodies? Yeah. Yeah. That which you've kind of you know delved yeah. into, um, mm. you know anyway into just chatting about it is why is it so important that we begin to shift this this yeah. perception? Yeah, yeah, because I think some people like some people like a lot of people I know actually, and a lot of people in general with this gym culture that we live in. Um, and this healthy eating culture that we live in, which in many ways is admirable, but can become an obsession. This is like, there's a, there was body dysmorphia for me, but there was also orthorexia, which is where you're obsessed with going to the gym and eating healthy and it consumes your very being. And my, the reason why I feel like this is really important is because I think a lot of people that I know and that are around in, in the world, uh, like are uh, showing signs of orthorexic behavior. And that is when their ability to go to the gym and eat healthy takes away from their ability to maintain any of their other needs in a really um, conscious way. So if we were to like break up needs into a pie chart and have a section for like food and exercise, it's just a tiny little part of the pie. And then there's our emotional needs and our um, spiritual needs and our connection needs. And often these people are like saying no to going out for dinner because they don't want to eat the food or, and that was me and saying no to um, going, going and hanging out with friends because they're at the gym and saying no to anything that seems a little bit unhealthy, like, like sitting around and watching a movie was too um, too slow for me back in the day. Like I, I needed to be walking and talking or like something like that. And it's when it starts to consume your life on that level, it's really, really, um, really, really yuck and can leave us feeling very, very empty. But so many people are not even aware they're doing it. Um, Absolutely. And, and, for me, I'm not like, I'm not saying that exercise or eating healthy is bad. I do both of those things, but it's this beautiful moderation thing where we take into account all of the other needs that we have as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think that's such an important because it is, we hear so much and I did want to actually delve Mm. into, so it's probably a nice segue Mm. into that is, a healthy mm-hmm. you know relationship with food because in this as you were saying like mm. the, it is all consuming yeah with, it's watching a movie becomes bad going yeah. out for dinner with friends becomes bad yeah you know, the guilt of having yeah. a chip or a hamburger or whatever <laughs> it is yeah and it's should I be having this? Should I not? Yeah. You know, and then the loathing that comes and then I need to work that off. And yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it is, it feels absolutely ridiculous. Yes. But I'm going to put it out there and go, the majority of the population would do this. 
yes. near daily, multiple times a day. Yeah. So yeah. how can we begin? And I want to use the word to create a healthy relationship. Yes. Yeah. Um, just for want of a better word, really, because yeah. it doesn't feel very honouring. Um, mm. But how can we begin that relationship? Yeah. With food and exercise and everything yeah. else that we were just talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, before I go in and share my opinion on this, I'm, I will say I'm in the early stages of an eating psychology coaching qualification. So this is where this stuff becomes really, really distilled and clear. And at the moment, I'm just basing what I feel on my own personal experience and what I've noticed. Yeah. So um, yeah. I wouldn't say this is a super expert opinion at this point, but I do yeah. think that um, there's so much to be said. Like right now um, I'm studying and looking into emotional eating, for example, and we all do do a level of emotional eating and it's, and it's given this reputation that it's super, super bad and we're super, super naughty if we do it. And like, for example, if that chip that you wanted to eat, um, you're not actually hungry and you want to have the chip anyway because it feels good in your system, that's not a criminal offence. Um, but often we, we, we feel that way. And I think the wider sociopolitical context of this issue is that food has become weighted as good and bad and more so probably in... Since I was about seven, I think this dialogue started going on. So what is that, like 23 years um, where food and healthy eating and the food pyramid and, um, you know, good foods, bad foods has become really, really like in popular culture quite prominent. And as a result, we're, we're a bit confused for starters and then on top of that, it's like it feels very polarizing in other ways as well. Um, and food has become, when you make something good or bad, it, it becomes even more emotional. So I can't have that burger without, well, I can, but like in, in theory, I can't have that burger without considering that maybe I need to work it off later or that because I've grown up being told um, that, that burgers have calories and calories and all of these things are just like frameworks and systems that the current socio like political dialogue is, is focusing on right now. Um, it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that it is fully true because what I've learned is um, that there's an equal proportion of research in the fields of non diet dietetics and this yeah approach called the health at every size approach and mm. and like just in general intuitive eating like all of those kinds of fields there are like yes. doctors out there that have created research that states that dieting does not work um and yes. they also have said that having such polarizing good and bad relationships with food is is not a healthy way for a person to have a relationship with food. So I guess where it sits for me is back to that finding neutrality thing. Um, and that's as far as I've delved so far, that at the moment in my own personal journey, I've had to go into 
returning myself to neutral around foods and then allowing my body as well to give me feedback. So if I eat an entire bag of popcorn and I feel a bit sick afterwards, then that's feedback. But I don't need to then put guilt and shame on top of yes. that feedback. Yes. Um, yes. And, and on top of that, like I can notice that my body craves vegetables and stir-fried snap, snap peas and like things that my body really like tells me that it wants as well. Um, and sometimes it tells me that it wants the chocolate too. And then I have it and I feel really good. Like I feel like, oh, like I've had a, you know, a normal amount of chocolate and I feel good. Like there's nothing, it's all just neutral. It's like I eat the food and it's food. And then my response to that food tells me whether that's a good thing or not for my body at this time. Doesn't even mean that it's a no forever either. Um, like if the popcorn, maybe I just ate too much popcorn, but popcorn in itself is not bad for my body. So it's like learning that dialogue with our bodies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, I just, I love what you say there because I believe that, and I can feel my body even getting quite emotional with that as yeah. well. It's yeah. because... I believe that in, it's not just what we eat, but the more we remove the good and bad, the right yep. and wrong, yep. like just removing the hierarchy of emotions because it's yep. such crap and it's yep. not serving all of us, but we're flooded with information, with what's good for us, what's bad for us, and the latest research shows that avocado is good for us that it's not good for us <laughs> that eggs are good no they're yeah. not they're bad. Like, yeah. you know, all the crap that yeah. goes with it yeah and so i really yeah. love what you say there about you know intuitive eating and mm. honoring you know, and listening in and cool eat the food just don't mm. feel guilt or shame around it afterwards and yeah. becoming neutral so what we were saying earlier with the steps to body love, yeah. taking yeah. that same approach to yeah. just neutralizing and being okay with that and listening yeah. to your body's response after you're eating it. Exactly. We're also flooded with information that if you're overweight or beyond mm. a certain size, yeah. then you're unhealthy. Totally. Let's talk about <laughs> that. I love this I one. You, you coined... I said a healthy at every size. I was trying to yeah, yeah. the words that you said. Which is a, so let's talk which about is, that. Yeah, so that's an approach that um, I can't remember who just like started that approach, but it's um, it, the, the premise is that bigger-bodied people are not necessarily, or like the premise of the whole thing is it doesn't matter what your body looks like on the outside to what is actually going on on the inside. We cannot make that assumption. And that every single person, irrespective of the, the size of their body or what is going on with their health, can reach health for them. So like peak health for them may look different to peak health for another person. Um, like someone might have a chronic health condition that they're living with forevermore. And so their health... Mm benchmark may be a different one to a person whose body does not have any form of 
autoimmune condition or chronic health condition. And the theory is, is that we have every right. It's like around basic human rights that each body has the um, capability to be healthy for whatever. It doesn't matter what else is going on to find healthy for you individually. And they talk about body size in that because there, again, is so much research. There's because heart disease is the number one killer apart from suicide. So it gets the number one killer title, but it's actually suicide. Um, because heart disease is such a, a, a problem. And again, the socio-political context says that bigger people are more prone to heart disease and, and that therefore they're like a drain on the system and we get all high and mighty based on that theory to say that like um, it's a public health issue that each person's individual body needs to be a certain size. And again, I would say like, and I'm in the early phases of this research, but there is a equal, if not greater amount of research that says the absolute opposite, that the body size of a person does not indicate their metabolic health. And I know um, quite a lot of body positive influencers have come out and shown proof. So they're like size 24 or, or other like sizes bigger than 24 and they're and they get a lot of yeah. online hate and about their health and they're like hey yeah. i'll show you my blood test and on their blood test their yeah. metabolic markers so for example their cholesterol yeah. their blood pressure their yeah. risk of diabetes all of these things that are um you know metabolic they are completely yeah. healthy in that way which can like demiss yes what is it debunks that like myth that we are more likely to like, or that we are automatically metabolically unhealthy. So in my system right now, I have metabolic health. So I often say I am healthy in spite of my size. um, And I am a size like 18, 20 at the moment. And so like, but I, I know that there is this, um, assumption that I must not be but actually for me like my health issues that I deal with are autoimmune and inflammation based and again I'm symptom free in that area too but those are the health issues in my lifetime right now that I am working through and they have nothing to do with um the the like key bugbear of society against larger people so basically the way that I choose to live and the way that lots and lots of people choose to live is to completely debunk the theory that body size has anything to do with health and I know that like there might even be people watching this who are like bullshit like absolutely (laughs) it has it has (laughs) like she is speaking absolute crap but I would just say to those people yeah. is that our reality is it. And if there's 50% research saying that, that larger people are more prone to metabolic disorders and there's 50% of research saying that they're not, I would say that we have every right to choose the reality that we're subscribing to. And the one that says that larger people are automatically unhealthy does not feel good to me. Like it just does not feel right. And I think there's a lot of, like, if we're going to get into, like, 
more political stuff, I think there's a lot to be gained mm. by telling fat people or big people or however they choose to identify that they are um, unhealthy automatically. Yeah. Yes, like absolutely. And, yeah. yeah. And it's hard. This topic's yeah. sort of like edgy. It's an edgy one. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's hard to navigate because, you know, it's not about offending anyone or no. again, making anyone right or wrong. But I know I have a bunch of extremely slender friends who yes. are so freaking unhealthy. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. Daily, they're yeah. slugging down socks, yeah. smoking, like yeah. whatever it is. But it's like whatever, dude, like do whatever you want. But yeah. sometimes yeah. as well is that I think that if you're naturally a slender person, then it's like a green light that you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, body you know, positivity, get, get out there with a big donut. <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah. there is a bugbear yeah, out it's there. Like, you know, society isn't going to shame them. You know, no. if an if an overweight person is eating a donut, yeah, in in a public place, they're like, oh, of course, yeah, of us, course, yeah, know? yeah, and that might have been their first donut in three years. And they might yeah. eat green smoothies every day. Like, not that I'm suggesting yeah. green smoothies are good and donuts are bad. They're not, but like, yeah. but, in terms yeah. of public perception. They might, they might yeah. be like eating their very only donut for a really long time, but no one has any idea. And I'd say as well, what you're saying about like slim friends of yours who are engaging in like more health damaging behaviors than health promoting behaviors. Yeah. I would say there's even this whole other subset of people. Like I've got slender friends with autoimmune diseases and slender friends with type two diabetes. And so yes, like, absolutely. and we hear the stories of like slim 55 year old men just dying of heart attacks while they're running marathons. So if, yes. if it's also clear cut that metabolic health is related to, um, you know, ability to like body size and, and all of that stuff, how do we explain that? Like, I think metabolic health is something that is like very weighted in our genetics and, and a whole heap of other things that um, like health promoting behaviors and health um, health damaging behaviors as well. Like it's just how we choose to treat ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And that's, and you know, and picking, as you said earlier is realizing that, it's much more to the picture than beyond the pyramid. Yeah, to, yeah, you know, absolutely. What it takes to be a healthy person that, you yeah. know, and I think about the kids, like, or what we aren't teaching our children mm. is, yeah. you know, I know my girls have a, a friggin' giraffe or someone that goes in and <laughs> talks about, <laughs> about the pyramid and the sometimes yeah. food and the, mm. everything else, yeah. but there is not once been a conversation within our education system mm. about what emotionally, you know, why you eat, why you might be eating, listen yeah. to your body's response, you yeah. know, and all sizes a healthy approach. Like yeah. All of these things that we've discussed today yeah. 
is there's no conversation about no and we're not there yet no and Mm. I want to ask you about children yeah because without like a lot of children I was going to say girls but you know it happens to boys as well yeah it definitely does yeah they're in that time in their life where Mm. they like junk food they want to eat junk food yeah but body dysmorphia is rife yes yes absolutely rife and And polarizing on food as well yeah Mm. yeah and so how can we begin to if someone's child has body dysmorphia Mm. How yeah. can we begin to, it's eat, well, easy to change mm. what they eat or to introduce whatever. Yeah. It's harder to change this though. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's harder to change the mindset around food. I like, again, I would be saying like as a mother to bring in um neutrality around foods and re-educate yeah. I feel like that's all we can do we can say um yeah. firstly like in terms of body dysmorphia 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 the um <laughs> the issue is the perception that that being big is bad as well so yes. if they yes. firstly can be connected with the fact that being big does not mean bad things, which is, it, it's challenging yeah. to teach because when like, and this is why I say like the world in so many ways is not showing up as, as ready to support this for the next generation because, and in, in many other ways it is. Um, so they watch on TV and the main character looks exactly a certain way. Um, all of the singers that they follow are a certain size and shape. Um, all of the sports people that they um, follow are a certain size and shape. And so they kind of, it's, it's a struggle to believe that being big is not bad. Um, they, that discourse is shifting. Like I was talking to my friend about the movie Dumplin' on Netflix and how beautiful that is for young women and girls to watch because you do get a visceral transmission that being big is not yeah. bad in that movie. And oh, the more that we advocate, oh, yes, so dumpling, like dumpling, but like without yeah. the G and it's on Netflix and it's, oh. it's just so beautiful. And the more that we yeah. see more characters being represented and not just bigger bodies, but different bodies, different, yeah. different um, cultural backgrounds, different ability levels and health levels, because like in terms yeah. of like, fat shaming we've got fat shaming and then we've got disability shaming as well and we've got health issue shaming and cultural shaming like all of these things like it just it just would be nice if if all of these things that our kids were being exposed to had greater representation in so many ways but in terms of just this dialogue the like seeing bigger bodies represented as actually beautiful and not being the character that everyone talks down on and says is ugly um, because yeah. that's the Disney, the Disney the trick. Gesture, like, right? like all the, all the person yeah. joker in the background, like the funny. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So there's like this whole um, thing where we need to reframe who that character is because 
in this movie, um, and I've seen another movie recently that was did it did an okay job of using a like a bigger bodied girl as the lead character, and she was like de- deemed beautiful and absolutely was beautiful, and she had a love interest, and the story was not about her body size at all, and I like that too. Yeah. It's like we Good. we yes. need we need not to be making it about their body size as well. So, yeah. um, basically. I would be curating the shit out of mm. as best as I possibly could what they're looking at um, because yeah. it goes against what you're trying to tell them that they are worthy no matter what their body size is and that being big is, is not bad. Um, and in terms of junk food and eating and um, all of that sort of stuff, I know quite a few like early teens who are literally abstaining from the junk food that I enjoyed as a, as a child because they're afraid of like putting on the weight. And that that's catastrophic because all that's showing to me is they have a polarizing relationship with food. And the research that I am buying into says that that Mm. creates disordered eating. It already is disordered eating, but it creates more significant disordered eating in the long term and is like as a likely predictor of a a girl choosing to diet for the rest of her life. And so that's, that's horrifying. Um, And the only way that we can like fight against that is to neutralize Mm. foods. Um, Yes. And say that, you know, this packet of salt and vinegar chips that is like fun size, you're allowed, you're allowed yeah. to eat yeah. that. Like, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> like, it's hard, it's hard to explain to them because I know my little skeptical brain wouldn't have really believed it. And yeah, it, it, ta- it, it takes a lot of evidence for them to believe that being big isn't bad or like, that they won't be unhealthy if automatically if they're big like we're yeah. fighting a war against like a social yeah. context yeah and yeah it's, and it's absolutely everywhere in mm. the smallest of ways that we're so used to seeing yeah. it that we don't even realize it's happening but yeah it's absolutely everywhere so what yeah. if a child thought they were fat and yeah. clearly not, what advice yeah. would you give the parents who were going through that? Yeah, I would be de- – uh, my first step would be unpacking yeah. why is fat bad and getting getting yeah. that understanding solid because yeah. they can choose to believe that they're fat and if fat doesn't mean bad, then oh well. Like it, it, they yeah. won't. They won't continue to. But like step one, yeah. assist them to understand that being fat – is not bad and as adults I have all the all these amazing babes come to my workshops and do my online challenges and we talk about curating our feeds and that we have every right to remove the things that make us feel bad about ourselves out of our feeds so anything that's um, flaring up our competition wounds or our sisterhood wounds or our like we're not currently hitting the gym five days a week because we're choosing not to so we don't follow the fitspo accounts because they just make us feel shit about ourselves and we find accounts and find things and find people to follow that are in alignment with this way of being that we want to choose and I guess my then recommendation is 
I like I feel like it's almost a bit naive for me to suggest that mm. on your child's behalf you could curate their feed but or curate yeah. their life because we we yeah. may not have that kind of control but encouraging yeah. them to curate their feed and as yeah. best as possible curating it from viewing mm. options and um artists to be inspired by because there are so many like Megan Trainer is great and there's yeah. um all of the Bopo influences and like who else am I like loving at the moment in terms of musical artists, Mm. what's her name? I'm like, I'm obsessed with her. And now all of a sudden I can't remember her name. Um, Alessia Cara, she writes music only on like self-love and working through um, feeling beautiful and individual beauty in women. And like there are a whole heap of artists out there doing stuff like that and I feel like if 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 I was in that position and this was happening to my daughter I would be actively seeking content just like I would for myself like I have for myself making the content that I see in my life um like in alignment with my worldview and empowering as all hell like to be feeling like people are talking about and the main dialogue is that individual individuality is beautiful and who you are at your core is perfect exactly as as it is so yeah yeah, that's what I would say I love Mm. that and that's even then is you know for us as well as our children is that for me if it is if for example say let's let's talk about social media if it is sparking all of that enoughness, as you'd say, yes. within yeah. us, then yeah. it's a really good indication that, yeah. hey, we need to actually rejig and relook at what's coming yes. up on our feed and actually yes. take yeah. the steps to make that happen, that it is yeah. much more aligned to where we're at and yeah. how we want to feel. Mm, I love and then in terms of the real world, because like you can't eat, like on the play in the playground with the other kids or out in the world like we are we go out in the world and we associate with other people we actually need that foundation of strong robust self connection and then curating our feeds and then step 3 curate our lives don't hang out yeah. with people who make us feel crap difficult to do in the playground but um in terms of like the self connection and the curating of our feeds and having a strong home environment that counters the messages received in the playground then creates a bit more of a robust human when they're receiving that stimuli. But in, in our worlds as adults, we can choose. Um, we can like not hang out with that person that constantly comments on our body or that yes. person that talks about stuff that makes us feel shit um, yes. in real life too. It's yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yes, because it's I've been with with people around people that make such and I've, we've all been there is like yeah. they make such inappropriate, unthoughtful, yeah. and unkind yeah. comments about yes. people's size, yeah. about how they look, yeah. about behaviour, yeah. about in how yeah. many times it's one thing and it's come up a few times because, and it's the same that mm. drives me mad <laughs> is that she would be so beautiful. If she lost weight. Oh, my God. Yeah. And if people are saying that in front of you and and as a a plus-size 
woman myself, if I'm sitting there hearing someone saying that about someone else in front of me, um, like Brene talks about, they've lost a marble for me. I can't trust them because if they have that view about this other person and they're pretending they don't have that view about me because they love me and they're my friend, still not cool. Don't trust them. Like that, that kind of opinion is really, really challenging. And unless like, obviously it's, it's up to the individual case and like, obviously education first before cutting that person out of your life. Like maybe they just need to know that being fat or being big is not bad. And then they might just settle and not say that stuff. Um, But if that, if in the face of communicating that truth in loving kindness, that hasn't shifted and they're still saying that about people, then it's time to go. Sorry. We're not in alignment. Like, yeah, I agree. agree. And I'm at the stage where now it's, I will voice with kindness and love and yep. respect. Yeah. But yep. I feel like it's my duty that mm. to step up and to speak about. I was at an event last week and he made a comment and he went, Oh, was that racist? And I went, Yeah, it actually was. Yeah. 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 In terms of the racism spectrum, it wasn't mm. anything significant or hateful or yeah. anything. Yeah. But I was like, no, you know it was what? Enough. We need to educate ourselves on yeah. what is appropriate and what isn't and yeah. extend the same amount of worthiness to everybody. Yeah, and stand up for what we know to believe is yes. true. Like if I hear someone exactly. fat shaming someone else or, or like a racist comment or a sexist comment, I'm not sitting there and not saying anything, but this takes a lot of practice to have the courage to speak up in those contexts. And I feel like in returning to what we were talking about at the beginning of the call, we need that strong foundation of self-love and who we are before we're really out there trying to do that because otherwise we're just so open and vulnerable to the the blowback of some of those experiences because it can be challenging to set those boundaries and to say, like if you if you said yes to that guy, am I racist? And he's he's presenting, and then you've just got to spend the rest of the day in the discomfort yeah. that you spoke your truth. Like yeah. you are in a robust enough place as a human to handle that, and it's worth yeah. it to you. But sometimes we need to like feed the soul first, exactly. and like yeah. and then go from there. Yeah, and honoring where yeah. you're at, and I find that in that especially with topics around Mm. this like this Mm. it's if i'm if i've educated myself and i'm confident in the knowledge that i know i feel more confident to speak up yes yeah exactly you know so where if i was a little bit you know just kind of started in the journey and not really understanding but just had a feeling totally different so yeah it might have been it might be a case of choosing like in terms of like what we were talking about about curating our content you might decide in that context to leave the workshop and be like this this is a no for me because of this um i'm not going to speak up but i am going to remove myself because i don't have to be around people who treat other people like this and so it's like either curate or or well they're both curating one is one is like active education curating and the other one is just deciding i don't have space for this right now see you later yeah 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 
I love yeah. I love that. We've covered some we have. <laughs> serious ground and serious juice. But what yeah. I'm really, really grateful for, mm. Bella, is that it's, you know, we've discussed and a lot. And as you said, if this, this mm. topic is edgy, it's political. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah. a multi-trillion dollar it, yeah. industry that it we're is. up yeah. against. But mm. it's such important work and conversations that we really have to yeah. start having. So... Yes. Um, but I want to finally finish off with, before we mm. close out, I want to ask you one question, and mm -hmm. that is what is turning you on at the moment? Oh, good one. I like it. Oh, <laughs> hang on a second. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I think actually, to be honest, I've been go, go, go for a little while, right? Like just like firing off things. And um, what, is, what is really exciting me at the moment is returning to softness. And like, I guess to use the feminine masculine paradigm, I'm really enjoying at the moment letting my feminine have a play and like bathing like yesterday I just like was in the bath and I was like rubbing rose petals on my body and I was like this oh, is the most opulent please. experience and I haven't done that in a while like I advocate for that but I haven't mm. done that in a while I haven't gifted that to myself so yeah softness and femme femme based self-love is really turning me on right now and sometimes mm. it's the opposite sometimes it's the self-love that comes with doing your budgets and getting your finances in order and yeah. um, planning your grocery list. Like that's self-love too. But at the moment I'm just like, I need to be touched. I need to like, I need to like massage myself. I want to go roll in the grass. Like that's the, that's exciting me at the moment. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that. And I, I mm. am in a very similar place at the moment. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely yeah. It's an amazing space to um to honor yes. from yeah. that place. Yeah. Well. Can I say about that as well? And you're invited mm -hmm. too, but I'm gonna run in ten days time a free five day online self love body love challenge. And there's yeah. gonna be that lushness in there plus also mm -hmm. some more grounded lushness. And I'd love to mm -hmm. like share the link with everyone so yeah, they can absolutely. come, anyone who's watched. Yeah and gone, I want to do some free body loving. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. that's, I will get the links um, off. Yeah, them. amazing. I'll pop them in the post as well. I'll in the post. <laughs> in the <laughs> You'll update. receive, everyone who's watched this video, you will receive a mail from the carrier pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> because it is such important, important yeah. work. And for everybody watching, I do, and who will continue to watch, mm. is I do, yeah. I'm such an advocate of your work. And it's Thank you. so mm. important that it is, even, you know, it's the free challenge and the, the awareness mm. and the lens yeah. that that will begin to unpack. Yes. I think yeah. Yeah. Everybody, it will put them on a path that is so absolutely, honoring. 
Yeah. And much more. And it was, it was so game changing. I ran it last year and the level of breakthroughs from day one to day two, I was like, what? Mm -hmm. Like I even surprised myself that the content was that potent. I was like, oh my gosh, like it is literally this easy to reconnect Mm -hmm. people with Mm self-connection and then everything just pops. Like it's, yeah, it's the most electrifying thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> amazing, amazing. It is such important work mm. that you're doing. And I just want to say to you is that I feel ever so grateful that you mm. are doing this work because it is so important and it is frigging rife and people don't talk it about is, it. Yeah. People don't know how mm. to go about it. And you do it in a way yeah. that is well-researched you're mm, resourceful mm. of everybody and you mm. practice what you preach. You are a living embodiment of everything that you do. And Thank my you. darling, I just want to say I am <laughs> ever grateful for the work Thank that you, you do. And please continue to do it because it is frigging important that we start to have these conversations. So, yeah, thank you. That was just like the greatest heart exploding thing to receive. Thank you. No, thank you. I'm like, thank oh, <laughs> thank you. It was, yeah. Yeah. it was so lovely to be here with you today and talk about these topics that I, I don't touch on very often because I'm I'm playing – in the more soft side of these things. And so it is really great to get my rant on with you because this stuff matters. It's like, and it is the core of why it matters. It's like, we talk about the the fluffy stuff, but like the fluffy stuff matters because we deserve to walk this world feeling enough. Like that is like the summary of everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Thank you so much yeah. for being on the show. Thank you. I'm so grateful. And to everybody My watching, pleasure. I will put the links in the comments. So check them out. Um, I will be back at the same time next week with another amazing guest. But thank you so much, beautiful woman. I thank really you. appreciate it. My awesome. absolute pleasure. Have a wonderful rest of your day and everyone else out I there know. have a beautiful Monday. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this epic conversation. I'm Renee Main, and I am over and out for now. However, we can continue this conversation on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash hedonistic queen or jump onto the website reneemain.com.au and you can explore what your own hedonistic way might look like.